BCAs got caught up in the hype where they thought it could build muscle. And it turns out that they cannot build muscle by themselves. But at the same time, BCAs were just so cheap to produce. And I guess they were, I guess a culture formed around them pretty early on. They've stuck in the market for ever since then, to be honest. It's one of the most popular supplements. Hello and good day to you. This is Mike Matthews from Muscle for Life and Legion Athletics, back with another episode of the Muscle for Life podcast. And this time around, I interview the co-founder and former lead researcher and writer of examine.com, somebody who knows more about supplementation than anybody I will ever meet again in my life, Curtis Frank, on the truth about branched chain amino acids, BCAAs. Now, for years, BCAAs have been an absolute staple supplement in the bodybuilding scene. If you've ever seen a muscle boy or girl in the gym lugging around a gallon of uh, fluorescent liquid, chances are it is water and BCAAs because supposedly these little guys can help us build muscle faster when we are bulking and retain more muscle when we're cutting. And there are a number of studies out there that are often cited to support such claims. And if you take that research at face value, it all seems to add up. And there you go. You have a best-selling supplement on your hands. Ironically, the number one requested product over at Legion Athletics is BCAAs. And it's also a product that we refuse to sell. Why? Well, when you roll up your sleeves and you take a closer look at the research and the weight of the evidence on the whole, a very different picture emerges. As you will discover in this podcast, BCAAs, unfortunately, don't really have much to offer beyond making your water tastier, unless you are an athlete. If you are, there is one legitimate use for BCAAs that might be relevant to you. But if you're not, you're wasting your money. This is where I would normally plug a sponsor to pay the bills, but I'm not big on promoting stuff that I don't personally use and believe in. So instead, I'm just going to quickly tell you about something of mine. Specifically, my 100% natural pre-workout fat burner supplement, Forge. Now, it was designed to be used specifically when exercising in a fasted state, and it helps you maximize fat burning while training on an empty stomach, minimize the amount of muscle that you lose while training in this state, and maintain intensity and focus in your workouts. All that is why Forge has over 400 reviews on Amazon with a four-star average and another 220 on my website with a four-and-a-half-star average. So if you want to get leaner faster, and especially in the quote-unquote hard-to-lose spots like the hips, thighs, and belly, then you want to head over to www legionathletics.com and pick up a bottle of forge today and just to show how much i appreciate my podcast peeps use the coupon code podcast at checkout and you'll save 10 percent on your entire order and lastly you should also know that i have a very simple 100 money back guarantee that works like this you either love my stuff or you get your money back period You don't have to return the products. You don't have to fill out forms. You don't have to jump through any other hoops or go through any other shenanigans. So you really can't lose here. 
head over to www.legionathletics.com now, place your order, and see for yourself why my supplements have thousands of rave reviews all over the internet. And if for whatever reason, they're just not for you, contact us and we will give you a full refund on the spot. Curtis, thanks uh, for, t- for coming back on the show once again to give us, uh, give us supplement wisdoms. And today's discussion is something that uh, it's good that we're putting more content out on and maybe worth actually considering doing a bit more writing on BCAAs because it is the number one product that we are asked to create. When are you going to do BCAAs? When are you going to do BCAAs? And um, the answer has always been probably never because there doesn't seem to be any good reason for you, average Mr. 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 Mrs. Average gym goer to supplement with BCAAs. It's not going to help you gain muscle faster. I mean, unless you just like tasty water and that's not a very good sales pitch because, well, it's just not. So uh, that's, that's the, it's funny though, actually, a number of people right back and just say, okay, even if that's, even if that's true and there are no real benefits to supplement BCAAs, I do like tasty water. So if (laughs) I would buy them from you, I'm going to buy them regardless and I would buy them for you. But, um, you know, just recently, right, you were looking into, could we swing a BCAA product of some type for any reason that would be, you know, uh, legitimate and it would make for a good sales pitch, a convincing sales pitch, an honest sales pitch. And obviously you came back negative. And I guess that that's kind of a segue into today's discussion. Why? And for people listening, just just to answer that question of what BCAAs are, why are people using them, um, and what can they do, what can they not do, and so forth. All right, so BCAAs, the branched chain amino acids, uh, just to get the obvious out of the way, they have three amino acids that have branched chains. The other amino acids are pretty much straight lines. These ones are all bendy. And they were grouped together specifically for that purpose, just structural. The three BCAAs, leucine, isoleucine, and valine do different things in the body. And truth be told, we don't know anything about valine. It's just nobody really wants to research it. But leucine is the primary one that stimulates muscle protein synthesis. And this led to BCAs being marketed initially because it was claimed that they could build as much muscle as protein, but because you're taking in less amino acids overall, it's less calories. Then this, you know, fueled consumption of BCAs. And it was later found out that this was not the case. You needed all essential amino acids to sufficiently build muscle. So either shouldn't, food, shouldn't that have been obvious from the outset? It was not necessarily obvious from the outset because there are stores of amino acids in the body, mm-hmm. mostly the intestines and liver. So it was thought that if you could just tell the muscle to start building, it will start taking amino acids from the liver and intestines then that those stores would be replenished the next time you eat food. But it seems that it's not so simple. You can't just take amino acids from the liver because it's incredibly greedy. So it needs a surplus of most amino acids, probably all the essential ones, in the blood when you stimulate the muscles. So in a, in a sense, it, those are essential amino acid stores. I, I know that's not the correct term, but in a in a metaphorical sense, it's the body holds on to those because they are more important than more muscle. Pretty much. Like you have to feed your immune cells. The intestinal cells have a turnover rate that is measured in minutes. So you need to create more intestinal cells. 
the liver just needs a large store of amino acids because it handles any insult and needs to be prepared for those insults. There's just, and like glutamine itself is a huge buffer that regulates blood acidity. So there's so many more important things in the body than building muscle because to the body, building muscle does not in the short term regulate survival. Right. I mean, obviously the, the total amount of lean mass um, is, is correlated with just all cause mortality, but yeah, being more jacked doesn't necessarily mean you survive better <laughs> so long as you don't have uh, a, a, a very low amount of lead mass, right? Yeah. But again, it's more of a long-term thing. A lot of these, uh, when organs get greedy, it's more of an adaptation over time for acute stressors. Like the intestines and liver will only release their amino acids for the muscle. I believe in situations of like trauma involving like a weapon wound where you're actually bleeding out or third degree burns, which is why there were studies on glutamine showing increased muscle growth, because that was a situation of which the other stores in the body would give up their glutamine. I see. But yeah, but BCAs got caught up in the hype where they thought it could build muscle. And it turns out that they cannot build muscle by themselves. But at the same time, BCAs were just so cheap to produce. And I guess they were, I guess a culture formed around them pretty early on. They've stuck in the market for ever since then, to be honest, it's one of the most popular supplements. I mean, yeah, it was one of those tipping point products, right? Because it hit on um, a big benefit that people wanted. They were uh, inexpensive to produce. So that means that there's a lot of money that could be spent on the marketing of them. And also you can make them taste delicious, even though they taste terrible, uh, you know, by themselves with artificial sweeteners and artificial flavoring, you can make pretty much anything taste really good. And so it's just that perfect storm of factors that made for um, a, a real kind of runaway success. Yeah, it's like a perfect cash cow product. Exactly. It's just pe- people are always going to buy it regardless of what you say. Uh, so if you want to sell it, at least try to find one or two niches where it actually works. But then we got into the discoveries where the signaling for muscle growth was attributable to leucine solely. So if you wanted to stimulate muscle growth, you would just get leucine. You don't need isoleucine or valine, so it's cheaper. You can take smaller pills if you're going the pill route. Doesn't isoleucine stimulate protein synthesis uh, weekly, very weakly, or no? Uh, very weakly, but so weakly that I would say it's like inconsequential compared to leucine. Okay. It's more, uh, isoleucine is pretty good in high doses to increase the uptake of glucose into muscle cells. But it's high dose, like, I believe the studies use 10 to 11 milligrams, uh, 10 to 11 grams of isoleucine oh, wow. alone. So, like, there is a potential for isoleucine in high doses to be used as, like, a post-workout to increase glucose uptake into muscles. But I believe isoleucine, if you take it away from BCAs and pump up the dose, starts to get really expensive at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Just because if you're isolating it even further, it, that, I mean, that's how things get very expensive. Yeah. But leucine, like at those doses, isn't that expensive. So right. It's weird. Right. But like, so leucine took that crown. And then for actually building muscle, the crown was, ever since the initial discovery, always with protein itself. So you have BCA in a little area where it can do both those things less good 
than either of the initial ones. So you choose A, which is protein, or you choose B, which is leucine. Then in the middle, BCA is like, well, we suck at that and we suck at that. What do we do? Like literally for a long time, the only reason BCAs were still sold were because they were on the market and people were buying them and you just wanted to keep the money coming in. Yeah. I mean, those in, in the office, that's what some people were saying. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't have to lie to sell them, but so many people ask for them. So many people buy them. So many people say that they're going to keep buying them simply because they like them. Or I've also heard some people uh, say that when they're cutting, they feel like it helps stave off hunger and cravings, at least hunger to, to a certain degree. And so in the office, again, so people are like, I mean, can't we just make them and um, not, not claim they're going to do anything that they're not going to do, but I still just didn't like that. I was like, that's such a weak product then. What, what, what it starts with bad precedent. Yeah. Well, and then, and then what does that, what does that sales page look like? What, what, what's the pitch? <laughs> Tasty. BCAAs. You're going to buy them. This one's that, great. That's, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and that, and I, and I feel I like, like that goes more, against the brand. Satire sell page. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That, if we were, if we were making joke, uh, <laughs> joke supplement, uh, websites, joke supplement companies, that would be one of the products. BCAAs. They don't do much, but we have 25 flavors to choose from. Those competitors over there have three. By now. That's a low number. <laughs> By now. Cookies and cream with peach. No one buys it, but it just adds to the list. <laughs> That's how popular they are. Yeah, pretty much. But like, so because Legion is a whole premium sports company, we can only sell stuff that has an effect, which is why I tried to look into a legitimate effect of BCAAs. And I technically did find one, but it's not something most people would, you know, use it for. Because BCAs seem to have a role in preventing central fatigue. So central just refers to the brain in the con like in a way that is probably due to the. Uh, I'd say I'm going to like give a little nod to Valine here. But the truth is the mechanisms of how BCAAs prevent fatigue is just due to the fact that they're literally branched. You want to, you want to explain so, that? Yeah, I was just trying to figure out a segue. So thanks for that. When it comes to uh, not sarcastic things, by the way, you were my segue. <laughs> that's all, <laughs> that's all I'm here for. I'm, all, I'm just here for segues. Yeah. I thought I was being unnecessarily sassy. <laughs> so when you're working out, uh, you just have like muscle breakdown and, amino acids go into your blood and they just float around some go to the brain realize oh, we have nothing to do here so they just leave go to the kidneys and eventually get processed out but the more you work out the more amino acids go in your blood and ammonia builds up and this does lead to fatigue but another thing that happens is tryptophan the turkey amino acid as many people know it by that also produces serotonin and thus melatonin can go into the brain and start to accumulate. And when it accumulates in the brain, that is strongly associated with not just fatigue, but also fatigue related to heat stress. I do not know why it's related to heat stress, but it seems that this type of fatigue happens faster in hot environments. I can uh, attest to that having grown up in Florida and then now having yeah. lived in Virginia for a couple of <laughs> years where it gets hot, but it's not Florida hot. It, it doesn't suck the life out of you like the Florida heat does. Yeah, there's like a certain fatigue unique to heat. So uh, tryptophan does this because it's, you know, tryptophan turns into neurotransmitters, but it's also a large neutral 
in charge, amino acid. There's actually a transporter into the brain, so the door of which it goes through, called the Large Neutral Amino Acid Transporter, very aptly named. It just looks for large neutral amino acids. Tryptophan is one of them, but not the only one. If you pump a lot of BCAAs into the system, they're also pretty large and neutral, and they just kind of float around the body. They sort of clog up this transporter a little bit. So the tryptophan that would normally go into your brain just hangs around on the periphery for a bit more. It delays the buildup of tryptophan in the brain, not perfectly, because eventually the BCA is just going to leave or the BCA is just going to eliminate it. But by delaying this, it can delay prolonged fatigue with re- specific reference to a heat, but also uh, more like when you get fatigued and your finite motor control goes down a bit, that's also the fatigue that BCAs can prevent a little bit. So not so much CrossFit, not so much repetitive like running where you just do one repetitive motion all the time, but more so in highly technical sports like tennis or badminton. Those are the ones where BCA supplementation can really Interesting. Help. Interesting. So it's similar to uh, synephrine or yohimbine's effects on fat cells where uh, th- they clog up the, the alpha receptors in fat cells, right? Which allows them to be mobilized more easily. Um, sort of. I don't think BCAs literally block the transporter. Oh, okay. They're just kind of slow because the transporter will accept whatever is there. And if it's only tryptophan, only tryptophan is going to go through. But if there's BCAs, then they're going to have to take turns. It's not like when the tryptophan gets into the brain, it just always stays there. There is a chance for it to get effluxed as well. So as long as the ratio is kind of balanced, then the ratio in the brain will be kind of balanced and not as fatigue prone, one could say. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because I guess it's a transporter, not a receptor. So it's, it's, there's, it's a difference there. I was yeah. thinking, you know, it could be like caffeine and, uh, caffeine and adenosine receptors. But again, that's different. If it's a transporter, yeah, it just keeps them busy, basically. Yeah. But uh the main thing that I want to get into, and this is like the part where I can say BCAs actually work. Because for the longest time, BCAs, despite these mechanisms, did not show much strength. Like they technically delayed fatigue, but it was like you got one extra swing in a tennis match. Like, oh no, that just makes such the difference. <laughs> it doesn't. And this is because what I mentioned earlier, how amino acids are breakdown products, ammonia is produced and ammonia causes fatigue. Uh, BCAs themselves will produce ammonia. So they cause fatigue in a way. BCAs, for the purpose of reducing fatigue, shoot themselves in their own feet. Which is why uh, I wrote this article for Muscle for Life recently. BCAs paired with citrulline. Because citrulline, through uh, the, uh, I think it's called ammonia, the urea cycle. I don't know how I forgot that can help reduce ammonia buildup in the blood. So BCAs do their unique effect on preventing fatigue. There is the natural side effect of increasing ammonia, which would normally shoot themselves in the foot. Then citrulline takes care of the ammonia issues and allows the BCAs to actually shine without being impaired. And the studies that I, yeah, the studies that I went over on this article, there's one looking at elite tennis players where they're basically put through a few simulated matches just to make them fatigue. And then they just shot tennis balls at them and said, in a very sadistic manner, go until you fall. And in the last stages of fatigue, citrulline seemed to stave off like half of the fatigue that placebo group experienced. Wow. 
the BCA citronine sure, compound, yeah. I should say. So yeah, there actually does seem to be a specific promise for BCAs, but it may require citrulline or potentially L-ornithine in combination with BCAAs to truly shine. And again, it only shines in like cognitively heavy, uh, fatigue-prone sports. So it's not really something everyone does. Yeah, it'd be more of a, an endurance supplement, which is something you've worked on, but we've shelved for for now because um, I don't uh, we don't have very many in heavy endurance athletes. That's not it's not exactly our target market, and I'm not sure what that market is like or how difficult it is to break into. But it would sound like BCAs would have a better place in a, in a supplement like that than anything having to do with uh, building muscle or losing fat, which of course makes even less sense, but people hear things. And uh, so I'd say it's 80 to 90% of the reasons why people that we hear from are, are taking BCAs are relating more to muscle. Um, and if, if it's, if it's fat loss related, it's usually muscle preservation. They think that if they drink BCAs all day, they're going to lose less muscle when they cut, or maybe even, you know, gain more muscle when they cut. But there are some people also think that it helps them lose fat faster. Well, they can do whatever they want, but they're just going to be wasting money. There is no evidence that I know of to suggest that BCAs have a direct role in fat loss. And for an indirect role through the muscles, again, there's no good evidence on that. Right. And it's basically a what if theory that leads to an extra like 30 bucks a month minimum. And uh, like there are plenty of cool what if theories out there. Just select one that has a bit of promise. <laughs> hey, if you like what I am doing here on the podcast and elsewhere, and if you want to help me help more people get into the best shape of their lives, please do consider supporting my sports nutrition company, Legion Athletics, which produces 100% natural, evidence-based health and fitness supplements, including protein powders and bars, pre-workout and post-workout supplements, fat burners, multivitamins, joint support, and more. Every ingredient and every dose in every product is backed by peer-reviewed scientific research. Every formulation is 100% transparent. There are no proprietary blends and everything is naturally sweetened and flavored. To check everything out, just head over to legionathletics.com. And just to show how much I appreciate my podcast peeps, use the coupon code MFL at checkout and you will save 20% on your entire order if it is your first purchase with us. And if it is not your first purchase with us, you will get double reward points on your entire order. That's essentially 10% cash back in rewards points. So again, the URL is legionathletics.com. And if you appreciate my work and want to see more of it, please do consider supporting me so I can keep doing what I love, like producing podcasts like this. And what are your thoughts about, because then this is very common, um, why people might be, while there might be some legitimacy in, in terms of what they are experiencing phenomenologically, and that is reduced hunger. You, you think it's just due to drinking something sweet or... And this is when, when cutting, you know, this is like, again, something that I hear often, um, from people that accept that, yeah, okay, fine. It probably doesn't have any muscle related benefits really, but 
when I'm hungry and I'm cutting and I drink, uh, drink these BCAs, I mean, who knows? It could be as simple as these people don't drink much water, uh, or, or much liquid at all. And then when they're cutting, because they're drinking BCAAs, it increases their water intake. And that alone could increase general satiety, right? Uh, I'm actually thinking it might be some weird neurotransmitter shenanigans that I can't explain because there's a lot of serotonin receptors in the gut and activating them will reduce hunger. The large neutral amino acids like tryptophan are closely linked to serotonin metabolism. So if you are able to activate serotonin receptors in the gut, you can reduce hunger. Now, when I was just, when you mentioned that, I was trying to think about all the research I've seen on BCAs and serotonin, but I, I haven't really seen any. This may be a question that people haven't really investigated much. Hmm. But there is potential for weird shenanigans with serotonin receptors. I see. I can't completely eliminate that. But beyond that, like just having water or just like having something in your mouth. Because if something's in your mouth, you're not thinking about putting something else in at that exact same time. Right. You know, quell the oral fixation, so to speak. That could also be a good reason. Right. And I mean, based on what you're saying regarding ammonia buildup, is it then, it sounds like it's counterproductive for fitness people to be drinking BCAs all day. Uh, if they're, I mean, let's say you, let's say you work out at, let's say you work out after work and you've been drinking BCAs for, uh, eight or nine hours or something and you go do a workout. I think, uh, it might be a bit of a downside. Well, definitely if you have kidney issues, because then the ammonia can't get processed as well. It might be cleared by that time, but if people do drink BCAs throughout the workday and they find that they can never get a good workout in, it could be useful to just go off the BCAs for a few days, see how you feel. Because while I don't think it's a red flag at all, it's definitely possible that excessive BCA consumption could just screw up your workouts. So makes sense. It's something for people to test out. Sure. Makes sense. What about, uh, you know, we were talking about this before we, before we started recording, um, a theory that has been bouncing around online that BCAAs may, uh, stunt muscle gain as opposed to augment it. Okay. So that theory comes from the fact that leucine is the trigger to stimulate muscle growth paired with the idea that the body is always in a state of homeostasis, an active balance. Much like a grandfather clock swinging back and forth, if something goes in one direction, it's going to go in another. You cannot just have a body at baseline, stimulate a process in one direction, then expect it to go back to baseline without dipping into the opposite direction for a little bit. It's very much like a sine curve rather than just a straight line. And so if you stimulate muscle protein synthesis, but you do not give the actual amino acids to build the muscle with, you will have no net gain. But then after the stimulation muscle protein synthesis goes away, you will be left with a refractory decline in synthesis rates. And you don't need to provide amino acids for that because you have your muscles. They can just degrade on their own. So I said uh, decline in muscle protein synthesis, but the theory is it might also stimulate catabolism. Mm. So it's like the sine curve where the stuff you want, you're not optimizing. But the stuff you don't want will happen regardless. And so the theory is if you keep on pulsing BCAs throughout the day, could you have a net loss of protein if you don't optimize the positive spikes by actually just having whole foods? And at this moment in time, there's no evidence at all assessing this in otherwise healthy uh, demographics. 
but that the theory has been going around a lot with uh, sarcopenia researchers, those who are tending to the elderly and don't want them to lose any muscle mass. And I can't really read their research all that well, but it seems like that's a valid hypothesis that they're still testing out. As for athletes, if you wanted a reason to not pulse BCAs each and every day, then have that be your reason. But I don't think you're just going to like shrivel up into a little weightlifting raisin if you continue using BCAs. I doubt it would actually cause any significant muscle loss. Or, or, even, or even any significant impairment of muscle growth. <clears throat> I would assume if you're if if you have the f- basics in place, if your energy balance is where it should be and your macronutrient balance is where it should be and you're training intensely and whatever. Yeah, because out of all the receptors to be highly sensitized in the body after removing a stressor, uh, the process of building muscle is not usually one of those because the molecular target for leucine is actually inside the cell. It's not a receptor on the outside. It doesn't need to desensitize, resensitize itself as much as other receptors like the insulin receptor. Interesting. Anything else um, that, that's floating around out there? I'm trying to think. I mean, th- those cover all the all the major points of BCAAs, what they are, why people are using them, and why they are vastly overrated and what a legitimate use may be. Uh, anything else that um, you've had on your list that you think we should touch on? In regards to BCAAs, not really because – they are overall a very simplistic creature. They're just kind of stimulate muscle growth, don't do a good job at it, might uh, decrease fatigue in hot environments of which like the fatigue is cognitive. But we pretty much touched down on all the bases. It's still going to be sold all the time. I think the only other thing we can mention is how BCAs are obscenely cheap and how if you are going to be buying a product all the time, you're probably actually overpaying if you're buying one of those brand names. Yeah, they're expensive. Oh, yeah. A good uh, tip I should mention is uh, BCAs in their unflavored form are highly bitter. Yeah. Leucine in particular is disgusting. Yeah. So if you want to buy like bulk unflavored BCAs just because they're cheap, sour is the taste. Like sour and tart are the ones that counter bitter the best. For a tart, you can get bulk malic acid, which is a little white stuff on the outside of uh, like sour candies. That's just straight up malic acid. Very sour. Sorry, very tart. And then uh, you can also use a bit of lemon juice. Those two alone may be enough to negate how bad BCAs taste and can save you a lot of money if you're going to be taking BCAs regardless. That, though, probably eliminates one of the main reasons, again, at least from, from speaking from customers and other people that have reached out to us, why people enjoy them is because uh, my tasty water, and that doesn't make for my, uh, very tasty water. Uh, you just have like a meal flavor enhancer. Yeah, like yeah, you'd have, to add, you'd, have, you'd have to add something like that in. And then you just get to the initial price again eventually. Yeah, yeah so yes, or, or or yeah, you just At go back to it. if you want if you want tasty session. water. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's also the point. Like how now how many bags of things are we talking about? Uh, and or then you just get back to all right. Why don't you just get rid of the BCAs then and just have the tasty water? And if you wanna if you don't want to buy the flavor enhancers, just have some fruit. Throw some fruit that you like in water and just drink that throughout the day. Yeah, pretty much. All righty. Well, um, this was. Uh, this was straightforward. This one was, I don't think there's anything else that is, uh, is, is worth mentioning on the BCA front. Uh, yeah, they're not really that exciting. Yeah. They just make money. That's what, that's really what it comes down to. And, 
there's so much marketing momentum that has built up around them that you know it's one of those things where the the key to to to, to lying well is repetition, right? It, it, and ideally, the the yeah, the lie the bigger the lie, the better. But if you just repeat something, a little factoid, you repeat it enough until eventually it just becomes accepted and true. And I feel like BCAs have have reached that point where the lies have been repeated enough times by enough supplement companies um, in enough media that quote unquote everyone knows now that if you're if you're into muscles then you probably should be or you should at least consider BCAAs. Yeah, it's just I really don't know how to follow up on the whole marketing stuff cuz it gets me a lot it gets me really pessimistic at times. Like at least market the fun stuff. Like garlic. That's cool. Yeah, but garlic's on un, it's unsexy. It's smelly. I know, but like it has the power of egg farts in your blood to reduce blood pressure. The power of egg farts for health benefits. There, there's a headline. There's an ad headline right there. <laughs> you'll get readers. I don't know how many buyers you'll get, but you'll get readers for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> well, I think that's it for, for this round. Um, as always, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Glad to be here. Hey there, it is Mike again. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it interesting and helpful. And if you did and don't mind doing me a favor and want to help me make this the most popular health and fitness podcast on the internet, then please leave a quick review of it on iTunes or wherever you're listening from. This not only convinces people that they should check the show out, it also increases its search visibility and thus helps more people find their way to me and learn how to build their best bodies ever too. And of course, if you want to be notified when the next episode goes live, then just subscribe to the podcast and you won't miss out on any of the new goodies. Lastly, if you didn't like something about the show, then definitely shoot me an email at mike at musclefullife.com and share your thoughts on how you think it could be better. I read everything myself and I'm always looking for constructive feedback, so please do reach out. All right, that's it. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I hope to hear from you soon. Oh, and before you leave, let me quickly tell you about one other product of mine that I think you might like. Specifically, my 100% natural pre-workout fat burner supplement, Forge. Now, it was designed to be used specifically when exercising in a fasted state, and it helps you maximize fat burning while training on an empty stomach, minimize the amount of muscle that you lose while training in this state, and maintain intensity and focus in your workouts. All that is why Forge has over 400 reviews on Amazon with a four-star average and another 220 on my website with a four-and-a-half-star average. So if you want to get leaner faster, and especially in the quote-unquote hard-to-lose spots like the hips, thighs, and belly, then you want to head over to www.legionathletics.com and pick up a bottle of Forge today. And just to show how much I appreciate my podcast peeps, use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout and you'll save 10% on your entire order. And lastly, you should also know that I have a very simple 100% money back guarantee that works like this. You either love my stuff or you get your money back, period. You don't have to return the products. You don't have to fill out forms. You don't have to jump through any other hoops or go through any other shenanigans. So you really can't lose here. Head over to www.legionathletics.com now. 
place your order and see for yourself why my supplements have thousands of rave reviews all over the internet. And if for whatever reason, they're just not for you, contact us and we will give you a full refund on the spot.